When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bigger Picture, going behind the headlines of the biggest economic and political stories of the day. This is Simon Rose. Uh, you join me for The Bigger Picture, where I'm talking to Mike Indian, uh, author of the Groucho Tendency blog and a political commentator, of course. Well, plenty to talk about. Well, we have to start, I think, Mike, by talking about the vote of no confidence. I mean, you have been talking about whether the letters have got to the... the uh, the minimum number required for some time. It's been quite a while since Graham Brady started totting up the letters in his intray. Yes, and uh, the Conservative parties, so for, for the avoidance of confusion with our listeners, we're talking about the procedure of the Conservative Parliamentary Party, that is the MPs, uh, for removing the leader. That is, of course, Prime Minister Boris Johnson. It is important because it's the only real check on the Prime Minister that he has, unlike Theresa May, who was the last person to be subjected to a confidence vote by her own MPs. Boris Johnson has a healthy parliamentary majority. Labour can't really touch him and haven't really enjoyed a, anything close to a substantial poll lead until recently. Mm. That that may be about to change if we touch on the by-elections that are coming up later. But the vote of no confidence basically happens when... 15% of Conservative MPs, so with the current about 360, 359 to be exact, uh, either write a letter, send an email, or send a WhatsApp to Graham Brady saying they have no confidence in Boris Johnson. Uh, Graham Brady is the chair of 1922 committee, so kind of the leader of the, or the shop steward, if you will, of, mm. of Tory backbenchers, a very important constituency for Boris Johnson and probably the, the only one that any Tory Prime Minister really cares about, really, between elections. If that threshold is hit, then a vote of no confidence is then held in the leader of the party. Famously, this is what brought down Margaret Thatcher, not directly, but she, uh, it was under a different system, but she she did have to, uh, she chose to resign after not winning enough support in the first round. Ian Duncan-Smith uh, mm. was removed by a vote of, com- uh, of no confidence among his MPs. Uh, Theresa May survived one, but then had to resign six months later. So where does this leave Boris Johnson? Well... Yes, so, so what was the actual vote in the end? So the actual vote in the end, uh, bear in mind, there are 359 Tory MPs. Boris Johnson gained, he won the vote, unsurprisingly, which you'd hope he would have done, but he only gained uh, 211 votes or 59% of his own MPs. So over one in four, 41% of his own MPs, or 148 of them voted against him. Now, bear in mind, this is the man who just over two and a half years ago now, hasn't even been Prime Minister three years, led the Conservative Party to its biggest election win in 40 years. He's the man who hasn't really got any main, major challenges, challenges inside the Conservative Party, plenty of major challenges, but 
challengers and pretenders to his crown, not really. But for that many Tory MPs to come out against him was genuinely extraordinary. And it's it's undoubtedly damaged the prime minister and probably shortened his political lifespan to months mm. now, if not well, weeks. Is it a secret ballot? Are the MPs who voted against him, are they, are they safe from the wrath of the whips? and the Yes, minister? they are. And in fact, actually, one of the things that has taken hold in this contest and was was stressed by Sir Graham Brady and the 1922 committee to Tory MPs was not to take pictures of their ballot papers. They weren't allowed to take their phones in when they voted. I think one of the things that's quite extraordinary about this is is yes, it, it's it's a very it's a very interesting Westminster thing, but it's also quite a remarkable process in the fact of how quickly it happened. So the threshold for tipping the letters in the 54 letters was reached sometime in the week over the Jubilee bank holiday weekend. Mm. We don't know exactly when. There was a lot of speculation that MPs had sent the letters in following the publication of Sue Gray's full report a couple of weeks ago now. It seems like a lot longer with the Jubilee being there, mm. but it was a fairly damning indictment. And it, 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 to, to blow my own trumpet very briefly here, the Prime Minister was pictured raising a glass, excuse me, um, raising a glass of wine. And I often thought that would be the, the image that ultimately tipped people over the edge. Mm. Uh, and, and, and in a funny way, it seems to have had a similar sort of effect. But because of the Jubilee weekend, a lot of MPs have, and Sir Graham has confirmed this to the press, have backed, had post-dated their letters to, so the vote of commons would only take place afterwards. Mm. We do know that he and the Prime Minister spoke on the Sunday uh, after, uh, on the Jubilee back holiday. They agreed to hold a quick vote on Monday as Tory MPs returned to Westminster funnily enough, on the day of a tube strike. So, but all MPs voted in the end. The size of the rebellion, though, was there were three times, there were roughly around 30 Tory MPs have called on Boris Johnson to go publicly. Nearly five times that many of his own MPs had no confidence in him in private. That's quite a damning figure. What's it mean? So uh, the Prime Minister, perhaps not altogether, surprisingly claimed it was a, 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 a wonderful vote of confidence in his premiership. Uh, and leadership of the Conservative Party. But, um, I mean, he hasn't really done as well as Theresa May or John Major when they had votes of no confidence, has he? And they were gone pretty quickly afterwards. Yes, it has to be said that the vote of no confidence is a curious tool because people who've won it, like Thatcher, like Major, mm. haven't been in office very long after this, of course, in Thatcher's case. Obviously, this is a different system, but it did precipitate... Uh, her departure from Downing Street, even though she she was still seen by a majority of her mm. MPs as capable, but she was at that time she had alienated her parliamentary party. Mm. Ian Duncan Smith is the only one who's ever been removed from this, and he was judged to be so ineffectual at that point in time that it wasn't seen to be a bad thing. Theresa May again, each vote is different, but what is clear is that just because Boris Johnson has won this vote, it does not mean that he is safe. In theory, under the current rules, he has a year or so grace period before another ballot can be held. In mm. practice, there's been a lot of briefing happening around this, which suggests that the Conservative Party has given him, Tory MPs are giving him until the party conference season, which is only a few months away, now, only three or four months away now to turn things around. We also crucially had, and I think this is the point in which I think Boris Johnson 
could there's two significant developments that happen in this which i think means that we're seeing the end of the johnson premiership and again with boris johnson so much of this is priced in but i think we have to take these two facts first of all we've seen uh, the leader to, to, to to paraphrase my great love of Star Wars, the leader of the Rebel Alliance has emerged in the form of Jeremy Hunt, who's the former Foreign Secretary and Chair of the Health Select Committee, and Boris Johnson's opponent from last time round. Unsurprisingly, there was a large number of MPs who came out against him who are seen as close to Jeremy Hunt. So Andrew Mitchell, the former Chief Whip, the Steve Bryan, the MP for Winchester, who's been very closely connected with organising a lot of the votes uh, against Boris and is seen as very much a pro-Hunt MP. There is by no means a unity candidate, but Jeremy Hunt is, alongside Tom Tugendhat, is one of the few MPs to declare they would be interested in running against Boris, and Jeremy Hunt would undoubtedly want to throw his hat into the ring again if there was another leadership election. If Boris lost, had lost the vote of no confidence or loses another one this year, if the 1922 committee changes the rules, then he can't stand in the subsequent leadership election as well. The second most significant one is, though, is that this is not as Jacob Rees-Mogg has tried to paint it on Nadine Doris, uh, largely a conspiracy by pro-Remain, disaffected MPs because of Brexit, because the Prime Minister lost arguably the poster, the poster child of the 2019 intake in Deanna Davis, who's the, the Tory MP for Bishop Auckland, who's somebody who's very independently minded, has one of those seats that has a very fine majority, but is is very dynamic and also seen as arguably one of the rising stars of the Conservative Party. She only came out at the last minute. He also lost Jesse Norman, who was one of his biggest supporters for 15 years, who came out against him. So lots of people who've stuck with Boris Johnson until now are starting to see him as a liability. And it's very hard to see how he comes back from this. And of course, the longer he stays in office, the more damage this could do. Labour, of course, I think would be quietly pleased about um, quietly pleased about this in the sense that the Prime Minister is a damaged political product mm. now. If he loses the two by-elections coming up in Wakefield, then in, crucially in Tiverton and Holmes, and that will make more of his MPs nervous. I was speaking to someone earlier in the week who fancies themselves as a, as, as a bit of a, as, as being quite a representative of the mood of the Conservative Party under Boris Johnson. And they, even they were saying to me, that they thought that Labour would form the next government, that this whole episode would cost the Tories the majority. So expect there to be a great deal of infighting. Part of this is the result of 12 years of government, quite difficult government as well. But if Boris Johnson were to go, the Tories would have had four prime ministers in about 12, 13 years. In that context, the last Labour government only had two. Mm. Okay, Mike, probably a good moment for us just to take a breather and then we shall continue at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Bigger Picture on Share Radio, where I'm talking to political commentator Mike Indian. Um, so, Mike, you talked about how um, 
quick the actual vote of no confidence was. I mean, we we assume that while Boris was being seen um, at various jubilee events, that he probably knew what was what was coming down the track. Um, but of course, if he is actually if there is a, um, a contest for leadership of the Conservative Party, that isn't quick at all, is it? Seemed to it seemed interminable last time, and the time before, and the time before that. Well, it's funny because actually the twenty the twenty sixteen uh, election actually was incredibly quick because of the the car crash way it was conducted. Theresa May was actually inaugurated oh, yes, as, as leader yes, very yes. very quickly, but yes, mostly yes. all right. I mean, last time round. There was, a, there was at least a couple of Theresa May now. She was resigning in May 2019, and she was still Prime Minister in July 2019 as well. So, but I suspect that your, your pronouncement there, Simon, is correct that the Tory leadership election, if that will follow this, whenever, if it takes place either before the next general election or after, because I'd expect the Conservatives at the moment to still lose their majority. They may cling on, but I can't see Boris Johnson lasting much longer. There is a leadership election at some point coming down the line to be quite a protracted affair because we don't have a clear successor here. The Tories may look to a, a safe pair of hands in the short term. Clearly, there's a number of very ambitious people. I think we have to price in ambition as a way of doing this. And the Conservatives in the in southern England, and there has been some number crunching done by Global Council's Joe Armitage on this that does suggest that it is Tory MPs from the south, predominantly from the southeast of England, southern England, who are the most worried by the Prime Minister, the ones who've seen their majorities, like Mr. Hunt, like Steve Bryan, squeezed by the Liberal mm. Democrats in those seats that did have a higher pro-Remain vote. The reason that I think the elective election would probably be complicated is because the Conservative Party doesn't really know which way to turn now. Under Boris Johnson, it's kind of facing in two directions. One is this kind of big state interventionist you know, the same reason that we've got um, the national debt at a record high, the deficit of 400 mm. billion, the the people that came up with the furlough scheme, and then the, the Thatcherite instincts of Rishi Sunak. Now, we're no longer talking about the Chancellor as being the Prime Minister's most obvious successor here. It may be his start, his stock recovers. He's been priced out a lot by the media now. They're instead looking more to Liz Truss as the leading cabinet minister, perhaps to Priti Patel. Michael Gove is perennially mentioned, but I'd be very surprised if anybody would make him leader of the Conservative Party, given they don't think mm. they can trust him as far as they can throw him. So I think in the long term, though, they may look to somebody who can detoxify from the Johnson brand if it's shown to be an electoral liability. And at the moment, that hasn't happened don't forget at this point in time, the nearest parallel I can probably think of is when Jeremy Corbyn was challenged prematurely in the summer of 2016 after sort of eight, nine months or so. Mm. They hadn't actually for most of his time in office, like Labour actually performed reasonably well at the ballot box. They did, um, whilst there may have been lagging in the opinion polls, they did have a strong force in the 2017 election. This Leadership vote came about not because of an orchestrated plot, the one against Boris Johnson, but like the one against Mr. Corbyn in 2016. It's because the events rapidly overtook things. And, mm. and the, the system is designed, I think, to some extent, to prevent some degree of coordination and coercion on this as well. But equally, it should trouble us all that the Prime Minister's natural instincts, embodied by his main spokesperson and the Culture Secretary, Nadine Dorrit, has been to swat away his critics and Nadine Doris is probably a good proponent of that sort of Trumpian bullishness 
of just denying facts on the ground. Mm. And one of the more troubling lines that came out of the Prime Minister's sort of campaigning on Monday was the fact that he he said he would attend gatherings again in Downing Street in person if it's against the rules. That you know, he said, I'm thanking my staff. And but this hasn't been the line he's taken in person. Mm. This hasn't been the rule that he's followed. He's been quite content to throw staff of all grades under the bus from his uh, former press secretary, Allegra Stratton, to numerous chiefs of staff now. The only way forward, it seems to be now for the Conservative Party, is to decide, do they wish to have Boris Johnson lead them into the next election? And I would say that there isn't a figure who could perform as well, but there might be a figure who could limit limit the damage. It's hard to see. This is, this is basic elect- electoral geography here. This isn't about whether or not the Tories could make further gains. They, they, they have basically become a party of England now with some seats in Wales. The Scottish Tories all but deserted Boris Johnson, but there's only six of them. The seats the Tories need to hold, and holding is the key thing, is are in the Midlands, are in the north, east, are in the northwest, the Red Wall, as we, we've been talking about. There is, only, there is only one way to go from here, which is down. So the question is, is, is Keir Starmer going to be in a position where he could form the next government by depriving the Tories of an overall majority. I don't like lowballing this with Labour. I think that Starmer should aim to win. And one of the things that let, let Miliband down in 2015 was the so-called 35% strategy with Labour aiming to scrape by to get back into office. But that's just what happened to Harold Wilson in 1964. Labour, but two of Wilson's governments got majorities in single figures five and three seats respectively. So the bar for Keir Starmer again has considerably lowered now. And if the Conservative Party goes into this election, next election, whether it's in 2023 with the threat of an early poll being apparently used by the Prime Minister to keep his critics in check, or if it's two years down the line, this vote is still going to weigh on people's minds. And Keir Starmer has probably just found his modus operandi which is to talk about integrity. And it may resonate with some people, but I think we'll have a better idea of how this will play out in the coming weeks as well. And don't forget, a lot of the people that backed Boris Johnson, still back Boris Johnson, have no love for the institutions of Westminster, have no great love for the figures that that want to remove Mr. Johnson from office. And that message of them being pro-Remain, people who want to sabotage Brexit will resonate with his, with a substantial number of people. So it may be there's enough support for the Prime Minister and the wider public that he feels he could go to the country and say, my party wants to get rid of me. Yeah. I want to carry on. You decide. He'd all, he has and, the power now to decide. His ability to cling on to office, presumably he's had quite a lot to do with the fact that he was incredibly popular with the, the public. Uh, I mean, hence, you know, so many seats that had been Labour going to, to Conservatives, uh, probably more popular among the public, perhaps, than with his uh, with Conservative MPs. But is that still the the case? I mean, I, it noticeable over the weekend that he was um, not exactly greeted with um, the most ebullient of cheers well, when he the, attended yeah. St Paul's Cathedral. He's used to being loved. I think the trouble with Boris Johnson is there's, there's so much, it's very easy to read things into it. I think at the end of the day, don't forget that he's, he, he has a very unusual political beast in the sense that a lot of the rules don't often apply. There will be at some point in the future when political gravity takes hold and he leaves office, whether it's mm. his own choosing or whether it's more likely at this point in time because the party wants to get rid of him. 
what we can't say is how the public view him at the moment because midterms the government can always say well you know we we of course didn't uh you know we lost this election because we're 12 years into a government now Uh, but equally uh, with the lack of an obvious successor every time uh or the lack of a clear liability presented by johnson at the ballot box i I think the majority of tory members might be compelled to stay with him it's very easy for those around the prime minister to present him as a uh, as a figure who's being targeted by the establishment the same way Donald Trump used. The forthcoming economic problems, though, will probably spell the end of his premiership. I suspect that if we enter into recession again and inflation hits double digits and the government isn't capable of finding a solution to keep this under control, then in the words of Bill Clinton's campaign in 92, it's always the economy, stupid. Yeah. Okay, Mike, I'll give you another chance just to draw breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Bigger Picture on Share Radio, where I'm in conversation with Mike Indian, political commentator, author of the Groucho Tendency blog. Um, Mike, you said early on that you thought Boris Johnson probably had at least until the the, uh, the, the party season. Well, I hesitate to use the word party, um, but uh, the conference season perhaps is a better one, um, given um, the Prime Minister's reputation now when it comes to partying. Um so we've only got a few months. What is he actually likely, do you think, to do? Do you think, do you think he's actually likely to try and do anything to shore up his popularity within his, uh, his MPs? I think we've seen a number of measures since then, since the Dota Accomplice designed to try and shore up the Prime Minister's position. The one that we've had today has been a plan to boost home ownership in England by allowing those people on benefits uh, to have that count towards mortgage repayments. The commitment to help people get on the housing line has been made by speech in Blackpool, which is, of course, one of the key red wall areas where the Tories took both those seats in that election. The, pr- the Prime Minister is seeking to show that he hasn't run out of ideas, but don't forget, and this real dearth does show that in the, in the wake of the pandemic, he didn't pivot. He actually looked back to the 2019 manifesto, which is, a, as we discussed at the time, Simon, a very thin prospectus on which to mm-hmm. run for a full four years. The, the Prime Minister, I suspect, is probably leaning towards a an early election at the moment, but don't forget that the the longer a government's in office, the harder it is to come up with more unique ideas. But we have to remember that the Prime Minister is now pivoting back to a sort of reheated Thatcherite solution. This is the second time the government's tried to reinvigorate the right to buy. Cameron tried to do it in 2015. It's not entirely clear how the policy would work. There's already a shortage of social housing without further properties being sold off. There's 1.1 million people on the waiting lists. The government hasn't revealed who can take advantage of this new scheme to help the benefits council's mortgage. There's currently a ceiling of about £16,000 that people can have before Mm. they can stop taking benefits at all. It's also just a pilot scheme at the moment as well. There are others that have tried to extend the right to buy to housing associations before and found out there's been high level of concern about a level of financial risk being taken on by participants. And... Whilst the government has said that there is going to be funding available to replace each of the homes sold, 
there is an issue, of course, of replacing these. This is basically with Thatcher's right to buy policy from the 80s, the housing stock that was sold off wasn't replaced mm. quick enough, hence the dearth of stuff that we've got. And of course, housing associations may choose to opt out of this entirely. So it's not something that is likely, I think, to move heaven and earth on it as well. And the Prime Minister's also, his critics in the party are likely to, even if he manages to win some back over who were wavering, mm. the ones who were to stick by him now through thick and thin, to, I mean, even to keep 59% of Tory MPs on side after you've been, you know, you've been proven to have broken the law, you've been stuck by figures like Dominic Cummings, you've handled certain problems in public very confusingly with mixed messaging you've compared you know you've slandered the leader of the opposition if it wasn't for parliamentary privilege mm. it's still quite remarkable but i think the only way for boris Johnson's support to go in the country is probably down the question is is he going to fall to such a level where even if he loses the next election he's going because if it's a hung parliament i think he could justifiably cling on and yes. carry on for a bit the question is, when does that successor emerge? Who is the, the Tory MP to follow him as well? And in the same way that the Labour has struggled post-Blair, the, the Johnson years, although shorter, have had a much more significant impact on the psyche of the Tory party. The expulsion of, of, of those around him that, that they see as the pro-Remain wing of the party, the focus on populist nationalist instincts as well, which Keir Starmer has partly embraced by, you know, the old two union jacks behind him mm-hmm. in those settings. The Tories are going to start losing support in Southern England and the Lib Dems gain seats. Where does that leave Labour to go? Because if Labour keeps piling up votes in London and the metropolitan areas, that doesn't, that means that there has to be more alignment between the two main parties of the left here and the smaller ones as well. And it still leaves the Conservative Party in the poll position as the main party in England as well. Mm. There's also the deciding influence of the SNP to bear in mind. And the message we could expect to see is that, as Johnson did this week at PMQs, Labour will be in power propped up by the SNP. And that, mm. as we know, was very effective in depriving Ed Miliband of his chance of power in 2015. Just before we finish, we must talk about a rather extraordinary coincidence um, involving a bus stop not <laughs> far away, not far away from um, Parliament itself. Yes. So... The, the the bus stop at Parliament Square lists, and this is funny in the week, the TfL are cons- consulting on cutting bus routes, uh, lists the the bus routes for the 211 and the 148, which we, coincidentally, the numbers in the leadership election votes, 211 votes for the Prime Minister, 148 votes against. Even it's more extraordinary, because those are the only buses that, that go into that stop. It's not like there's lots no, of No, it's it's... And it was tweeted by a minister in Boris Johnson's own government. So I'm not sure Greg Hans is hoping to be in the job much longer after that. But some, perhaps sometimes a joke is worth a ministerial salary in a car. <laughs> well, we shall see. Mike Indian, thank you very much indeed. That's Mike, uh, political commentator, of course, author of the Groucho Tendency blog. That's it for the big picture, bigger picture for this week. The bigger picture. Going behind the headlines of the biggest economic and political stories of the day.